I'm really glad you're here. My name is Doug Earls. I uh, pastor uh, Calvary Chapel, Free Will Baptist Church in Buffalo, Missouri. He's come back to the community of Springfield, Missouri for 33 years. So he had some health issues and stepped down as lead pastor a year and a half ago. They named me pastor emeritus, and I didn't know what that meant. Then I found out that you just do whatever the staff doesn't want to do. And so, but they let me keep my office and my library, so that was good. So we're glad you're here. But as I got older, believe it or not, there was one time when I was the young guy, and that's a long time ago, but as I've gotten older, I'm a boomer. And so I realized that our church, we had a lot of boomers in our church. We had a lot of ministries with them. And so out of that, I started doing a lot of research on boomers and, and came up with some things I'd like to share with you today. First of all, <clears throat> the psalmist said, Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O Lord, forsake me not until I have shewed thy strength into this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. I think we'd all agree that we've not really been doing that for the last several years. And a lot of the things, the chaos that's going on in our society, we can blame a lot of different people, but we really need to blame probably ourselves because we've not really equipped the children as we should. How well do you know the baby boomer generation? Well, they were born between 1946 and 1964. On January 1st, 2011, the first boomers turned 65. Presently, there are 71.6 million boomers in the United States. The 2020 Faith Communities Today study found the average age of U.S. pastors and congregation members are increasing. How many of you would agree with that? And that causes some problems. One quarter of religious communities are at least half 65 or older. Mainstream Protestant denominations, 42% of churches, are at least half 65 or over. According to the U.S. Census Bureau in 2019, it says that 17% of Americans are 65 and older. So what does that tell us? It tells us that our churches have a lot more people 65 and older, older than the population. No one's really been able to do a statistic for Free Will Baptist, Southern Baptist did, and they found that the majority of their churches were 50% of their churches were 65 and older. Uh, I'd say in Free Will Baptist, we're probably right there, if not even a little bit more of our churches uh, were the 50% or more of the congregation is 55 and older. Baby boomers are motivated by being valued and by being needed. And that's really important for you to understand because the builder generation are dying off and the builders were the loyal people who would just do anything. They didn't need a lot of pats on the back, but how many of you discovered that the boomer generation, we like some pats on the back. We like attention and we like recognition. There's some personal characteristics of baby boomers. Sammy Berry is a researcher and he's a strategic market developer and this is what he came up with the baby boomers in his research. He said the boomers are confident, they're optimistic, they're independent, they challenge rules, they're family orientated, they're status conscious, life work balance tends towards the work, they value personal growth and social involvement, and they're generally anti-establishment and anti-government. We'll talk about that and show you why that's true. There's some historical events that shaped the life of the boomers, and some of those things are the Civil Rights Movement, the Cold War, space travel, the Vietnam War, social unrest, Nixon-Watergate, 
television. I still remember I was in the Navy when uh, Nixon resigned as president. I still remember sitting around with all of my friends wondering what was going to happen next. To build rapport with boomers, there's some things that you need to do. You need to use high touch over high tech. I uh, was really fortunate our church was a larger church and we had a staff and I always took younger guys with me when I taught because they could do all of the functions of hooking up my computer. They just showed me how to push a button. And so I was really thankful. I did get it hooked up, but we ran into a little uh, snafu. And some of the younger people, guess what they did? They fixed it for me. But we do like to have pats on the back. We like handshakes. But uh, we don't aren't as much into the high-tech kinds of things. You have to listen for their needs. You need to avoid multitasking. Young people multitask all the time. We don't like it that much. You need to go in with the right words. Words are important. They have meaning. You need to empathize with the boomers. And remember this, always ask, don't tell. We don't like it if you tell us, but if you ask us, we'll probably do it. And whatever you do, do not use the word senior if you want boomers to come to it. They will not come. In Missouri, we had the senior adult board and we changed it to the retiree board. Our retreat was the senior adult board. We changed to the retiree board, and guess what happened? Our attendance this year just about doubled because the boomers decided, well, I'll go to that, but I'm not going to go to anything where old people go. <laughs> it's estimated that only about one-third of baby boomers are Christians. Let me explain that statistic. It's uh, people who are evangelical born again. That means that there are 50 million adult Americans in this generation that are unchurched and unreached. The norms of retirements have changed drastically. A lady by the name of Amy Hansen wrote a book, Baby Boomers and Beyond, and it's an older book now, but it's still the book that people use. There's just not a lot of research or a lot of work coming out on boomer generation, but she discussed the different perspective of the retired generation today. She said that 70 to 80% of boomers want to keep working in some fashion when they retire. At our church, we have several part-time people of our church that have retired their boomers, but they have a lot of ability and talents, and so we plug them into the church. And that 70 to 80% wanting to work, that doesn't just mean that they're wanting to work and get paid, they're wanting to do something significant. And how many of you would agree that the church has the most significant task of any organization? Boomers are very interested in staying young. We discovered that. Uh, we have uh, a lot of people in our church that the Y is real popular, and they go to the Y, they work out, they pay. I've never played pickleball, I'm afraid to, because I read about how many boomers are going to the hospital with injuries on pickleball. But all of these things are just, they love to stay young. And boomers want nothing to do with the disengagement theory. And believe it or not, the church has kind of uh, not adapted to that. The disengagement theory is simply the theory that states the experience of aging and does not involve mutual withdrawal. In other words, they want to be a part of the church. They want to be with the kids. They want to be with the teenagers. And how many of you have thought about this? Because often we separate people. But the boomer generation, they like to be with everyone. They don't really want to go into a nursing home, so they're doing everything they can not to do that. Baby boomers are proponent of the activity theory. This theory describes the approach of aging to staying active and staying involved. 
And as movers approach their latter years, they're searching for purpose. And we're going to focus a little bit on that as we talk about that. Remember that they're, they're looking for purpose. A 45-year longitudinal study on aging conducted by Dr. Vernon Bigston found some interesting things about the boomer generation. They found that about 20% of boomers have increased their religious and major activities in the past few years. And he said there's three reasons for it. Boomers have more time in their retirement years, and they want to use this extra time pursuing a more meaningful life. Often they've been in the uh, workplace, and, and what they did is they made money and brought it home, and they're reflecting back and saying, what, have, what legacy have I left for my kids? What legacy have I left for other people? So they're really evaluating, and they have more time. Um, when I kind of stepped down in the, in the role as the senior pastor, I found out that I was just as busy as I ever was, but the neat thing, I got to be busy with the things I wanted to be busy with. Boomers are becoming more aware of the brevity of life. They desire to set their house in order, and often boomer parents overfunction for their children and their grandchildren, and as they're getting older, they're beginning to think, what's going to happen to my kids? What's going to happen to my grandchildren? Because I've not equipped them to live in the real world. Boomers are aware of the fragility of life. They begin experiencing health crises that cause them to reassess what really matters in life. But the big question that boomers are asking is, where do I fit in? One of the hardest issues for retirees to come to terms with is, where do I fit in now that I'm retired, now that I have a little bit more time, now that I'm reflecting back and I want to do something more significant for God? The psalmist said, all the days are ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Golden agers often lose their meaning of life, and they wonder, what is their last days going to look like? As church leaders, you have to realize that as the movers go for retirement and then reassignment and sometimes confinement, they often ponder, where exactly do I fit in? Stan Toller said that during these times, movers asked three questions. Why doesn't my opinion matter anymore? Uh, the church I serve at, I've been there for 30, almost 35 years, so I have extreme credibility, but when I step down as lead pastor, I don't have the power of that position anymore. So boomers go through a lot of redirection and find out where do I fit in? Does, why doesn't my opinion matter anymore? Why don't people listen to what I'm saying like they used to? And then they ask, do people really appreciate what I've done? Because they reflect back and they're getting older and, they can't do the physical things they did at one time. And so they're wondering, do people really appreciate the things that I've done uh, for them and, and for the church? And then they ask, can God really use me in this condition? To mobilize and empower boomers, you have to sometimes put a fire under their feet. And you have to help them develop the torch of service because they really do need some redirection, and they're really open for this redirection if you approach it in the right way prayerfully and, and with God's help. You see, boomers have positive characteristics that no other person has. We have gifts and abilities that no other person has. We have people who care for us more than anyone else in the world. We have influence in someone's life that nobody else has. We have life opportunities that no one else has. We have people who depend on us more than anyone else. We have a life story that is unique from that of other, any other person. Retirees are really vital 
to the health and ministry of your church. You don't have to go to war with generations. Can I hear an amen? That's optional. There's always going to be some disagreements, but you don't have to go to war. A thriving, retiring ministry has very little to do with activities. What it does have a lot to do with is service. Jesus was a suffering servant Messiah. And we as God's people are servants. And sometimes the boomer generation needs to be reminded that you are a servant. Tony Wolf, a leadership blogger, says there are seven reasons why your church needs retired adults. First of all, they have wisdom gained through experience. They're involved in ministry opportunities. There are many ministries that retirees are better suited for than younger adults. They have more time. They have more experiences. They have a network of relationships. And they have more finances. They pass down a legacy of faith. They have stories about God's faithfulness because they've lived life. They've went through some of the struggles of life. They transmit timeless truths. They've experienced faith through trials. They can teach lessons on respect and honor. And they appeal with a genuine heart of love. Retirees have a gentleness that often comes with just the, 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 the knocks of life. The fires of hurt and sorrow and pain and faithfulness. There are three things the boomers have to do to have credibility with you. First of all, boomers have to stop isolating and they have to start engaging. We cannot lead God and help the younger generation if we're always cutting ourselves off from them. So you need, as a pastor and church leaders, you need to make sure that you uh, have opportunities for the boomers to be with your teenagers and your high schoolers. You have to stop complaining and start encouraging. Complainers have little influence. They, big, they build statues to the people that they complain about. And number three, you have to stop demanding you have to start equipping. If you're a mature believer, you need to act like one. You have to show up to church to serve, not to be served. And I'm preaching to the choir here, aren't I? Boomers must be willing to engage young people, encourage young people, and equip young people. There's three questions that youth are asking. Who am I? What's my identity? They're asking, what am I here for? What's my purpose? And they're asking, who will take care of me and love me? Where do I belong? You realize that retirees have this in common with youth as they physically and mentally change and go through different cycles? Boomers need to mentor and model for young adults. I think I went ahead here, aren't All right, on this one. There's three phases of retirement, and I'd like for you to not only have this, but pass this on to other people. Phase one for retirement is the go phase. Shannon Tingdom, co-founder of Heritage Strategies in Gilbert, Arizona, says, the toughest transition most of my clients make is from the one of working and saving to retiring and spending. She went on to say that if you retire when you're younger and your friends are all working, it's the crisis of who do you hang out with. As soon as I stepped down as lead pastor, when I was in the Navy, I developed tinnitus from that was a, in communications. And so I woke up one morning and I had a sudden deafness in my left ear. And so it, it, anyway, it, make a long story short, I ended up with hearing aids. And then 
I had a bridge that went bad, and so my dentist decided to put implants in. And how many of you know that those implants are like gold? And he put them in, and my body rejected them, and so it, it's just been a mess. So somebody once told me that when you retire, before that, you save your money to get new teeth, to get hearing aids, and have surgeries. And that's kind of true. As I've observed congregants at our church in the go-go phrase, many start off with real contentment. The retirees get to enjoy the fruit of a lifelong of labor, having more time and less pressure, and they can move to volunteering in worthwhile ministries. And this is usually followed, though, by disenchantment. You can only watch so many John Wayne movies. This is a time when the retirees, maybe either they're well off financially, they begin to feel the emotional downside of retirement, such as loneliness and disillusionment and the feeling of being useless. They need assistance at this time. The retirees must prayerfully begin a reorientation process of self-worth and servanthood. And during this reorientation time, the retiree begins to settle into a new set of routines, and as he or she develops a healthy routine, a, a fresh sense of purpose develops, and the retiree can take advantage of this opportunity to enjoy their life and church life even more. Phase two retirement is the slow-go phrase. This usually happens between ages 70 and 84. This is when, because physically they can't do the things, but this is also the time they settle into more of a routine because they can't do the trips and do the things they did when they were in the go-go stage. During this time, these group, this group of people can still be extremely valuable to your church because they're more consistent. They're there probably more because they're not traveling. If they do travel, it's usually on a bus trip. My wife and I took one of those, and I decided I do not want to go and sit with people that I don't know and don't, I couldn't, can you say not like someone, but you still <laughs> love them? But anyway, that's, that's here and there. And the last phase of retirement is the no-go phase. This is if everybody lives long enough, unless uh, you just die in your sleep, you'll get to this point of where you often, uh, because of physical, maybe mental, you are dependent upon other people. And so all of your life, you've been the one that people have been dependent on, and now you're dependent on other people. This is the phase when they need physical, emotional, and financial support. Grandma Resty at our church lived to be 103. And Grandma Resty was active in our church until she was around 90. At 90, she started losing her eyesight and hearing, and physically, she just couldn't do things. And so I'd often visit with Grandma Resty, and every week she'd call me and say, Brother Doug, bring me the church bulletin. Make sure that you put the prayer request on it. So even though she's in her hundreds, she was still a prayer warrior and a valuable prayer warrior. I'd rather have Grandma Ressy praying for me than anyone. Everyone desires, especially retirees, to be the phase one of retirement, the go-go phase. But reality is, that's not going to happen. If we live long enough, we're going to eventually go through the other phases. And in each phase, it comes a new challenge for that retiree to readjust and this is an ideal opportunity for you as church leaders and pastors to come alongside them and help them through this transition. And always remember the great I am that's with us every day through every phase. If we ever lose our dreams or vision, we become discouraged, disillusioned, angry, and resentful. And if you have some older people in your church so th and they're that way, I almost guarantee it's because they lost the vision for their life. And as church leaders and pastors, sometimes just coming and sitting beside them and just talking to them and just reaffirming that you still have great value. 
Boomers need to mentor and model for youth and for young adults. Jesus was a mentor coach. Jesus took his disciples aside to show and tell them about the kingdom of God. He, first of all, he sought out the disciples. He gave them an invitation, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus allowed his disciples to express their vulnerabilities. We're weak, but Jesus is strong. One of the things we've forgotten sometimes as we mentor young people is we also need to share our failures with them and our feelings and our faults and our frustrations and our fears because we all have those things. We need mentors to share our successes with and rejoice with us. Remember when Jesus sent out his disciples, they came back and reported to him and Jesus gave them immediate feedback. Jesus was a perfect coach, our mentor. What did he do? He listened. We tend to tell you, we tend to give advice, and we don't listen very well. God gave us two ears and one mouth, and we probably need to listen twice as much as we talk. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you love and care. And often we want to share our story, but you realize that young people have a story. And we need to listen to their story before we tell our story. Jesus also celebrated. He cared. He strategized. He set the agenda. He set the perimeters. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses. And, and if you ever thought about that, in Jerusalem where they were, Judea going out, and then to Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the world. He trained them. They were his disciples. He developed them. John was a son of thunder. He became a beloved disciple. Peter was brash. And God helped him to become humble. Every one of us in this room have character flaws. We're all diamonds in the rough, and we need to be reminded of that as we work with young people. And Jesus always challenged his followers. There have been meetings of only a moment, which has left impressions for life, for eternity. One can understand the mysterious thing that we call influence, yet everyone continues to exert influence either to heal or to bless or to leave marks and to leave marks of beauty or to wound, to hurt, to poison, to strain other people's lives. Mentoring is a relational process in which a mentor's wisdom, knowledge, skills, and life experiences are invested into the life of the, and I, that's a title there, mentoring. And an appropriate time and manner so that it facilitates and develops and empowers them. We need four types of mentoring. We need upward mentoring. We need someone wiser to bounce ideas off of. Our church is located by uh, Southwest Baptist University, and one of the professors there came and, uh, for some reason, he just uh, came often to our church, and he would call me, and we had lunch together with Dr. Bernard Holmes, Dr. Holmes was saved in New Zealand with one of the Billy Graham Crusades. He had worked with their Crusades. He was their evangelism professor, and he was a great mentor to me. He, I can still remember sitting down. He's gone on to be with the Lord, but just sitting and hearing his New Zealand accent, giving me advice, and also listening to me. I'll never forget when he told me he, we were eating lunch, and he said, Doug, have you ever had lustful thoughts? Man, it blew me away. And I thought, well, uh, yeah, and, and I said, have you? And he said, yes. He said, how did the phrase dirty old man come about? And then he went on to explain how there's always this 
battle between the flesh and the spirit. And it's no matter how old you get, that battle is going to go on, and God can give you victory. We also need downward mentoring. People that we mentor, we've always mentored people, and, and our church, we had a, a change of leadership, but the leadership team, all of the people on our staff have come out of our church. Uh, and that's amazing, and you know they're full-time uh, pastors and ministries, but we've done a lot of training and encouraging and mentoring them. Presently, I'm mentoring three young men, mentoring one young man of our church who I, I performed the ceremony when his parents were, were married. I was there when he was born, and I've seen him grow up, and he's in Bible college now, and we meet together regularly. I also have another young man named Garrett. Garrett uh, just is a, a young man who wants to grow in God and grow in the Lord, and we meet regularly. And I have another young man by the name of John. He has PTSD. And uh, it's amazing to see what God can do when people turn their lives to them and when they have a support system. We also need internal mentoring, providing feedback within the organization. We need external mentoring, providing sound feedback from the source outside our organization. For years, I met with uh, an executive with Walmart and a CEO of a bank company and a guy who was a business owner, and we did book reviews every month. But more important than the book reviews is I learned so much, especially from my friend who was the banker. I'll never forget, he told me, Doug, don't let people put their monkey on your back. I won't explain to you what we meant at the time. Jesus was also a model. The invitation to come and follow Jesus is the greatest invitation that there is. And Jesus is the perfect model. He modeled servanthood. He modeled obedience. He modeled sacrifice. He modeled love. He modeled grace. He modeled truth. He truly is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's the Savior of the world. He's all-powerful and all-caring and all-loving and all-holy. We need true Christian models today. Christians who are genuine. We don't need to be fake. We need to influence, not impress people. Can I hear an amen on that? And with young people especially, they're, they're, they're not, they don't care what all you've done. They want to be influenced by you, but they, you're not going to impress them. We need Christians who are spirit-filled and full of grace and truth. Christians whose minds are continually transformed. Christians who love Jesus as, as they should. Christians who are servants. Christians who are humble. Christians who are sacrificed. Christians who care. Do you realize that every single person in your church, especially the boomer generation, those that are getting older, they may not feel real comfortable with mentoring, but you do have influence, and they mentor more than they think they do. But one of the things that they all can be is a model. How many of you had models that were, when you grew up at church, there was a certain, maybe it was a deacon, maybe it was a Sunday school teacher, that just had a great impression on you? How do leaders work with people? This is just real brief. You need to teach them the rules and regulations or policies. I'm not talking about uh, getting into legalism or anything like that, but they need to know parameters. They need to know uh, what's going on. You need to show them how to do each task. You need to give them specific duties to perform and empower them to do it. And then you need to appoint leaders and let them lead by organizing and completing the work. There's some helpful hints to lead people. You need to be aware of talents and abilities and the people that you lead. You need to accept differences of people. We're all different, and that's okay. We need to assist people in adopting to different situations. We need to help people understand exactly what is expected and required of them. We need to let people know you genuinely care for them. Remember, uh, boomers, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, just like younger people. 
You need to express appreciation for good work and purposely mentor other leaders. You need to share goals and decision-making as much as possible. You need to help people to develop order and discipline. And you need to be a vision caster. For the last part of our presentation, how are we doing the time? Okay, we've got a good time. Uh, these are just some helpful hints that I've discovered over the years, and hopefully maybe they'll help you as you work with the boomer generation. Remember, boomers are looking for significant tasks that make a difference. Where there's no vision, the people perish. And so you need to make sure that you help that boomer generation and these people as they're transitioning through retirement, that God still has significant things for them to do. When I hear of someone at church that's going to retire, I'm going to have lunch with them before they retire. Do you know why? Because I'm going to plant some seeds in their mind of things they can do at church. Because I guarantee you that when they retire, their kids and grandkids and friends will have a lot of things for them to do. How many of you have discovered that if you're a boomer? You need to help boomers discover and utilize their gifts. Don't misplace them. They don't like it when you misplace them because if you, you know, put somebody in in a teaching position that really doesn't have the gift of teaching, it's kind of like, you know, how many of you know that the her, probably the hardest class to find teachers are middle school boys. <laughs> you can see a boomer that's willing to do some work for you and you talk to them about, oh, we have this wonderful need in our church and, and it's to work with the middle school board boys and you know that the word has gone out of class and they say, you mean the, the Legion class? Often, we don't talk to them. We have some people at our church that uh, come in every week and they were business managers and they come in and help us uh, run the, the work of the church. We have a lady who was a secretary and, and a financial officer and she comes every week and, and counts the offerings and puts them all in, on, on the computer and those, those things for us. But if I would have tried to place those people somewhere where they didn't have their skill set, how many of you know that would be very frustrating? And then not only that, it's disillusioning to them because pastors always said, God has work for me to do, and, and this is just so uncomfortable. So talk to them. Find out what their expertise is. You have to have patience. Boomers are going to travel. They will make more short-term commitments than long-term long commitments, and they require some flexibility. You'll also find that boomers have a good network together, and often they will team. And the reason they team, and I would encourage you to have them have good teams, is that they know that if they're going to go on a cruise in January, that these people who are their team with are going to be there to do whatever their function is at church. Oh, we as pastors sometimes, and I, I've been there, we'll, we'll get frustrated and we see the big picture and we see things that we need to plug people in and we have someone who's been faithful all these years and then all of a sudden they go on vacation and we get mad because they go on vacation. How sad. And so you've got to remember that the boomers are going to do some traveling. Work with them. It is worth it. You need to be aware of the three phases of retirement. We want everybody to be in that go-go stage or either go slow, but you're going to have some people that are the no-go stage. This is really hard. Boomers have went from the me generation to the dying generation. And as a boomer, I don't like that. You know, I used to uh, do some teaching, and one of the ladies I taught with, 
every day I'd, I'd be reading the paper and she'd come in and she wanted the obituaries. And I always thought, man, that is sad. Why would somebody, you know, you look at sports and all the stuff going on in the world and she wants to look at the obituaries. Guess what? Now when I get the paper, you know what I look at? The obituaries. Because we're all going to die. And one day my name is going to be on the obituary. It's estimated that about one-third of baby boomers are Christians. That means that 50 million adult Americans in this generation are unchurched and yet to be reached with the gospel of Jesus. And remember what I said when the retirees go through retirement, they go through some crises, and they all of a sudden are looking to see where do I fit in. You know, I, I've not really spent a lot of time with God. What do I need to do? This is an ideal opportunity to evangelize. But you might want to look at some things and think a little bit out of the box. I have a friend who's a physical therapist, and he was also taught physical therapy, and we had him come to church to just help people with balance. You know, I didn't know how many people would show up, and we had about, what was it, 60, 70 people show up just to learn how to keep balance. Do you realize that as your brain gets older, that your sense of balance decreases? But there's some things that you can do uh, that are simple things that will help you because most older people, a broken hip can be the end. And so uh, we've, you know, brain health. If you get older, all of a sudden you discover that I can't think as clearly as I used to. I must have dementia. Part of that is the, the aging process. But I do want to tell you, and that's another workshop altogether, there's been a 40% increase in dementia in the United States in the last few years, and it has to do with our, our lifestyles. So there's some definite things we can do to change, to postpone and put off some of those things. And boomers are very interested in those things. So you might bring in a speaker on that and advertise it to your community. When we had our, our physical therapist team, we had several people outside the church that came because they were interested, and some weren't Christians. And two of the people I'd been talking to for over 30 years involving the church, and guess what? They started coming to church. And so these are just entry points that you need to think about to bring boomers. And remember, there's 50 million or two-thirds of the boomers are unreached. You need to remind boomers that you can't go back and change the beginning but you can start where you are and change the ending. Many boomers are plagued with guilt. They've lived through family dysfunction, selfish living, and no one to remember them positively. It's never too late to start doing what is right. Sorry, my phone rings in my headset. First time that did that, I thought, Lord, is that you? Uh, so I just got a call, so I just, I can't. So anyway, that has nothing to do with the work. They think that there's no one to remember them positively. But remember, it's never too late to start doing what is right. I remember sitting down with a relative who was, was extremely well off financially, and he was very sick, and he had bought his, his grandson all kinds of stuff, cars, planes, and, and he, we were sitting and talking, and, and I said, you know, how's it going? He said, well, I know I'm dying, and the one thing I don't want to happen is I don't want my grandson to forget me. And I thought, you know, that's admirable. And then I, I looked at him and I said, you know what? Life on this earth is a drop in the bucket. What you need to do more than anything instead of giving your grandson things is to share Jesus with him. Because when he knows Jesus, you'll spend eternity with him. But there are a lot of boomers right now that are really 
suffering and they're trying to figure out where does everything fit in and a lot of boomers are plagued with guilt you as a pastor and church leader as you work with them you need to listen and often when they feel like they can trust you they'll open up you've got to purposely work to instruct this generation to be healthy and mature you need to help them to develop and maintain a moral compass You need to provide opportunities for service and develop your retiring ministry around service. Boomers don't like to be embarrassed. I don't think anyone does. And so you need to be very clear on your expectations and what opportunities they have in ministry. Uh, there's always things that people can plug into your church. Greeters are wonderful, amen? I have a guy in his 80s, he's a Marine, and he uh, has went through several marriages. He's a super nice guy, his name is Ray. And he was trying to find himself, and we, we, he just loved people, loved to talk, and so we made him a greeter. And now it is like he is the hero of all the kids because Ray talks to them and listens to them. And this is a guy who uh, he would have never plugged in unless we listened to what he was saying and helped plug him in. Uh, but remember, it's a service role. You need to make a list of areas your retirees can serve in. We are really fortunate in our community. Our church does the uh, food distribution program. It takes about 40 to 50 workers. We distribute food to over 300 families, over 1,000 people in one day. And the, the majority of the people that do this are our boomer generation, and they love it. It's the highlight of their life. We have another group of boomers who love to cook and, and just hospitable, and they fix a wonderful meal for them. And so a lot of these people, it's especially the widows and widowers, they come and have fellowship with people. They do something significant because they can actually see these people and give them the food, and they're doing it in Jesus' name. And, and they're, wondering, they're having this wonderful meal together with people. And so uh, you need to think outside the box a little bit. Operation Christmas Child is a wonderful ministry. You might say, well, how can I ever do that? If you get your boomers involved in that, you'll be so surprised because they think about when they were, when we were younger, you, you know you're getting older when you say when we were younger. We, weren't, we didn't have all of the things that people have today. And so many of them didn't have a lot. And so when you see how children around the world don't have things, it, it tugs at their heart. And they have the money and finances to give, plus they have the time to help you. And plus the wonderful thing is you can bring your kids in and your boomers are there helping them pack their boxes and you develop this wonderful, wonderful feeling of love and appreciation. So make a list of what your retirees can serve. And these are just some of the things you can see some of the seniors of our church do. They're distributing uh, the shoe boxes. They're working with the kids. Every year we have a woodcutting uh, operation. We have about 60 people that come, and our boomers or olders, they kind of mentor some of the younger people, uh, showing them how to cut trees, how to saw, how to do it safely. That's important. And then all of the shut-ins and people at our church, we live in a rural area that heat with wood, they, they load up the wagons and they take it to their house, and they give them a gift, and they're blessed, and the, the people are blessed. Uh, Bible school. You, we cannot do Bible school really without our, our uh, senior adults. And remember I said, don't call them senior adults, retirees. We do a, a 6K walk and we have had a, some really excellent turnouts. We have two to 300 people. We kind of do it for the community. And we, you, you'll have the kids and the older people walking together, running together, talking together. 
and this is uh, part of our food distribution. You can see that we have older people and younger people all going around and helping and uh, working together. You need to develop a retiree committee to plan services, opportunities, and outreach activities. <clears throat> you could be extremely smart, but if you get a couple people together with you, you're more smart because you can draw from what they know. And so when you set up a committee, you look for people who are leaders, you look for people who are good Christian models, and you sit down and talk with them and talk about what can we do, well, how can we serve more effectively the Lord in our church because we have the time and we have the abilities and we have these things, what can we do? You'll be so surprised what they'll come up with. And not only will they come up with things, but make them responsible. Tell them, you know, this is you know your parameters, you know, we need to you need to promote it, you need to make sure that you're organized, and, and it's amazing what people can do if we let them have the opportunity. You need to be aware of the unique needs of retirees. There's a lot of mental issues that are going on. There's a lot of emotional issues. There's a lot of physical, spiritual, and relational issues. You need to consciously mix the generations. And when I say consciously, this means that you do it consciously. You really uh, talk to them. You uh, get some excitement built. On Wednesday nights, we have... Uh, we have a large church, and I know some of you don't have a large church, but that's okay. You can still do this. But our, we have our high schoolers in, in one part of the building, middle schoolers, children, and adults. But we purposely make sure that we put some of our older adults in those ministries because of the bonding process plus the wisdom that they have, and kids love it. Uh, they just love to be uh, with older people because grandparents, my grandparents are, have been long gone, but the thing I always liked going to grandpa and grandma's is grandpa and grandma always had time to listen. And not only did they listen, they were so wise. And it just seemed like sometimes I'd listen more to grandpa than I would to my parents. And so you can play that role. And someone might say, well, they're not my kids. Guess what? Being a part of the family of God, Jesus said everyone you meet is your neighbor. And there are so many children today that would give anything if somebody cared for them. If somebody just gave them some attention, a lot of the kids, when they go home, they're going to get yelled at. Church may be the only place where they're loved and appreciated, so you need to mix the generations. You also need to love and appreciate each generation and individual. Generational conflict is natural, but war is extremely optional. <clears throat> 